0: Before we, go <laughs> Before we go much further, uh, this Friday we have something huge and awesome that's going to happen. We are inviting, thank you, clipboard. We are inviting the whole city out to come and see our church, see the uh, new kids' wing. We're also going to get some bounce houses, and we're just going to have a party. It's it's a celebration, of a festival of life. And so uh, i really love to encourage each one of you. Plan in your mind now to not only come this Friday, even though uh, you might think, oh, that's for kids. No, it's for everyone. It's for all of us. It's a church hangout. Uh, If you think it's just for kids, then we've been advertising it wrong. It is for the church. It's for all of us to hang out, uh, have time to talk, to eat, to, uh, you know, do some stuff, walk around, see some things, watch the kids of the community play while we, you know, uh, have a great time so please uh, put that on your calendar for this Friday starts at six but it's kind of rolling. you can come come when you want, leave when you want We'll, we'll be here from six to 10 and and bring bring your fa- you know if you got people who you know they don't got a church or they you know uh, you got some friends and neighbors that you think might have a great time bring them. It's totally free. it's totally fun and can I say anything more about it? <laughs> so Jerry's gonna be handing around some clipboards. If they aren't already going around, we desperately need help. Uh, like I said, we're, we're attempting to do a community-wide event, and it's, it's really an all-hands-on-deck endeavor. So if you could please sign up for something just for 45 minutes every time, uh, that would be much appreciated. If you can bake, if you can do all that kind of stuff, uh, please let Tanya know about that. I think she's trying to do a cakewalk and stuff, all that kind of good stuff. So uh, cakewalks have kind of gone away. I remember when I was in elementary school, we used to do the cakewalk, and that was like my favorite thing. You know, I, One time I won, I came home with a big old cake. You know, <laughs> My mom's like, who gave that to you? The school, really? <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, please uh, sign up for that if you would so. Again, it's just 45 minutes if you can make it, and uh, we'll have a great time. All right, you ready? You're probably wondering what this is doing up here. Well, um, you'll, you'll find out very soon. Brian Littlefield has some Bibles. For those of you who don't have a Bible and uh, would like to read out of one this morning, we are going to be reading the Bible this morning. It's <laughs> part of what we do in our church. <laughs> so uh, if you don't have one, uh, feel free to just raise your hand and he'll give you one. And, and by the way, you can take those home. That's not, <laughs> I know someone once told me, I don't want to steal the church Bible. No, actually, these are bought so that you can take them home. So it's, it's not stealing. Um, and second of all, Walt, could you find me a pair of scissors? Good pair of scissors. Thank you. <laughs> He's like, where am I going to look for one? <laughs> so they're probably going to be in the back back room somewhere back there, Walt, uh, in the office. All right, you ready? Yep. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, just a oh man, a wonderful bunch of people. And uh, God, we're all on this road exploring uh, Jesus, exploring Christianity. And, Father, hopefully by opening up the word of God this morning, we're going to deepen our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I remember the first person who ever shared the gospel with me. Uh, I I had thought I was a Christian. I was kind of raised loosely in a church. And my granddaddy and his granddaddy and his granddaddy's daddy, you know, they all kind of did the thing. And so I had never really, you know, when people, when my friends would share the gospel with me, I would almost kind of have this sense, now, why are you telling me this? Yeah, sure, whatever, you know. It, it was never, I never really understood why they were actually sharing the gospel with me until one time, uh, this, I, I was in a, a drama class in high school, and one of these uh, young ladies had, you know, we had a few minutes and we were talking, and she said, have you ever heard the gospel? And I said, well, I think I have. What, what, what is it? And it, The conversation kind of went something like this. this. I'll begin with her. Do you know that God wants to help you with your life? And this is me. I didn't know I needed any help. Yes, you do. Oh boy, if you only really knew. Accept Jesus right now and he'll help you. He'll help me do what? He'll help you get A's in school. He'll even help you make the basketball team. Really? He can do that? That would take a miracle. Jesus can do anything. He'll give you blessings. He'll give you money he'll give you a family. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm only 17. Well, he'll give you a girlfriend and one day you can have a family. I said, well, what if I don't want a girlfriend or a family? Oh, you do. You just don't know it yet. Our heavenly father wants to pour his love into you and just have the whole world, she really said this, and just have the whole world hug each other all at once. I remember when she said that. I thought that was kind of funny. And she said, and God wants everybody to smile and laugh. God just wants to make you so happy, Tom. I remember I looked at her and said, come to think of it, I would like to be happy all the time. Done. That's what she looked at me. She said, Done. He can do it. He will do anything for you. Love you, forgive you. He'll even teach you to be nice. He'll teach you to what does that say about me, right? He'll teach you to be a good person. And you'll get everything you could ever hope for in return. you don't have to be like 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 you anymore. she really said that <laughs> he'll make you into something better and I remember you know I, I it's amazing that I'm even a Christian today <laughs> you know after after these early blunders of people sharing the gospel with me and I, and I remember you know kind of walking away you know almost feeling a little insulted so often. We say in in attitude, if not in words, I'm good and you're bad when we share the gospel. People are often turned off by that, and rightly so. Somebody once said evangelism, true evangelism, is one beggar sharing with another beggar how to find bread. There's nothing in it that should make me boastful because our Christianity, our relationship with God, Is not based on anything we can boast of, but it's based on God's grace. People think that they're preaching the gospel to you when they tell you, you can have purpose in your life. You can have meaning in your life. You can have a relationship with Jesus if you believe the gospel. And by the way, all those are true. All those are important. But actually, none of those statements really get to the heart of the gospel, even though they're emphasized by the American church over and over and over and over and over over today, what we can have. The fact is, the gospel is an explanation of who Jesus is and what he has done. The word gospel means good news. It's good news because the gospel is an answer to a problem. Many people err... Because they hear the gospel and they automatically think the gospel is about judgment. uh, Judgment from sin and judgment from all these things. Really, the gospel is far more about our problem of being disconnected from the source of life who is God and Jesus' answer to that problem. And you may say, well, Tom, what about the judgment? What about all these things? Really, if you truly read the Bible, the judgment has already occurred. That's really, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a done deal. And I can explain that to you far more later if you have a question about that. But if you look at Genesis chapter 3, uh, our problem is already very well solidified by that point in the Bible. So what is my point? My point is this. The gospel is an answer to a universal problem we all have. And it's something that is built definitely upon love. But the better word would be grace that God in His grace has given us good news, and the good news is He can remain who we are, and He will transform us to be in His presence and live forever. We're going to talk about that this morning. You may ask, why are we talking about that this morning? Since January, we've been sharing about our vision for the church, and one of the visions is to win lost people, people who are lost to God, back to God. Well, I've been going over and over and over every week about this winning, and this week it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Tom, what are we winning people to? What is the gospel? And so today we're going to go through a fresh reading of that. Remember, the angry crowds who were shouting at Jesus, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They were not shouting crucify him because Jesus was teaching everybody to be nice. They were shouting crucify him because Jesus was trying to relay a problem to humanity. And the problem was we do not have within us the capacity for eternal life. So over and over and over, he's saying, come, follow me, I will be the answer to this great problem that has existed since Genesis chapter 3. And that's why they were shouting crucify him. Not only did they not believe it, but they wanted to silence him so that he could not say it anymore. There's another reason why I have to share this this week. Last week, I shared on Paul's conversion, and I... I picked scriptures. Oh, how can I say this? I picked scriptures that were safe. And yet there was one I left out. Last week, you remember, uh, we talked about Ananias coming and baptizing Paul, curing him of the blindness in Jesus' name, and then baptizing Paul. But there's one thing that God said that I left out. And I'll be honest with you I left it out because I wanted to go the safe route. I wanted to go the route where, you know, the gospel's just everything attractive and, and God's going to make you happy and God's going to give you blessings. There's a part of me I want to go down that road because it sounds attractive. But this week, God convicted me. God said, you didn't share the whole gospel. You didn't share the whole truth. There's no guarantee that everybody's going to have a life of happiness even after they receive Christ. I failed you in that sense, and I want to apologize for that. Because the next thing God said to Ananias after he baptized Paul is he is going to be a light to the Gentiles and I must show him how much he will suffer for my name. Because the gospel, the gospel is a powerful, powerful truth that bruises our ego like no other. That we would need something in our lives in order to live forever. And Jesus says, he is that need. This morning, I want to invite Chris and Ken Van Dyke. They're going to come. They're going to do a fun little drama about the go- the, the, one of the things the gospel is. It is, is a sign. It is a signpost in a roadway. And so uh, there's a little, little skit we came up with, and uh, I think you'll find it funny. And, and I'll explain to you what it is after they're done. Obviously we tailored that for California. (laughs) How many of you had one of those red light camera deals snag you ever? Nobody? Man, I'm on like my third one. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I did get one though. And I did do traffic school. And by the way, after I went to traffic school, I found out the truth about women drivers. You want to hear it? Yeah. Women drivers are responsible for 50% of all traffic accidents. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. <laughs> you got that one. <laughs> this drama, you know, there's kind of four typical things that happen. And obviously, this is illustrating what happens when, you know, when the gospel kind of hits us at first, I went through this. I think a lot of people go through this. The first thing is it's kind of a little bit of, of a bruised ego thing. You know, don't tell me what I need. Don't tell me what I got to do. Don't tell me what I got to have. Don't tell me I'm not all this. Don't tell, it, It's this bit of the, you know, don't tell me I blew that stop sign. Come on, you're, you're, you're on crack. You know, don't tell me I was going 10 minutes over the speed limit. There's a little bit of a bruised ego where we have to come to grips with. We're not as perfect as we'd like to think we are. When I did blow that red-white camera, they send you a picture. And I know the law. If your tire is even on the line, it's legal. And so I get my camera, my phone out, and I zoom it in on that spot. I'm looking to see if I can prove there's a white line on that camera. So I go in and I talk to the cop at the court and I said, you know, what if I fight this? And I've got my evidence and I say, you know, he goes, well, you can do that. And he said, but if you're wrong, you'll be in delinquency and you'll have to pay double the fine. Made me question whether or not I really want to fight it, you know. Was I really that sure? No, I wasn't that sure. And actually, I don't think many people are that sure about God. Second thing is being held accountable. Stop signs, stop lights, hold us accountable. There's a reason for that accountability, and we'll get to it in a moment. The third thing is, nobody likes the threat of suffering. Nobody wants the threat of you're going to have to pay a fine, you're going to have to go to jail, or even worse yet, you'll have your license revoked. So, what happens, and this again parallels our response to the gospel, the fourth thing is we try to find a way out. Try to find, you know, of course, everybody says in California, go fight that ticket, or go, you know, go to court and go give the judge a piece of your mind. And so, you know, there's this sense of, wanting a way out but here's the problem the sign i have learned is there for a good reason imagine nobody obeyed the signs what would happen four cars would come across an intersection and boom they would smack into each other and of course everybody likes it this way no signs until we all collide at the intersection the gospel in a nutshell is that sign It's saying, you know what? The collisionary courses of life where everybody just does what everybody thinks, feels, does, and makes up does not work in the long run. But that God has given us the best sign. Eternal life through Christ. It's not meant to stop us. It's actually meant to take us further than we could ever go on our own. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. And this will be up here. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Now, when I was in seminary, we had a whole quarter on what we're talking about right now. And they had guest preachers, guest professors. They had so many people come in and and try to explain the gospel. And I would say 9 out of 10 of them talked about morality and righteousness and how to become holy, and holiness was really big. And and I came into seminary with very much that mindset. That was very much my picture. Because in the Gospels it says, be holy because he is holy. I thought, there it is. That's the goal. That's what Christianity does for me. And then one professor. He was a Lutheran professor. I'd never heard from a Lutheran before. He came in and he said... I've seen what your material has been this whole quarter. And I want to let you know why all of these people mean well. They're absolutely wrong. I mean, the whole class is just silent. I lost my breath. I nearly, nearly got up and left because I thought, great, we're going to get one of those watered-down, blathery Gospels that seem to go around from church to church day to day. And he said, I want you all to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. He said, here's the problem, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death came through that sin, God makes Adam, Adam falls from perfection, Adam brings death to natural humanity, which is what we are. And in this way, death came to all people, because now all people are infected with a nature that is impervious to the glory of God. There's a spiritual cancer that everybody, it's not that that somebody's got the line on this one, or somebody's getting better drugs so they're not as sick, or somebody's got better vitamins, or somebody's eating better, or somebody's older, younger. No, 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 no. In terms of our capacity for life, We are all infected with this spiritual cancer, which is the explanation as to why we die. And then in verse 21, Paul gives the solution. If you skip down in in Romans chapter five, Paul says, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace must reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our lord in other words we exchange a sick spirit for a healthy one we exchange an existence that is filled with this cancer this sin this sin nature that only brings about death we exchange it we get a transplant it's literally taking you know taking the essence of you transplanting it now Into a means under God in which we can live forever. Plus, be in God's presence and not die. You ever wonder why God's invisible? Believe me. We would not want God to show up. He will show up one day. But when he shows up, that's the end of the world. Our world, our universe as it is, cannot tolerate God's glory. Because we're in this cancerous state spiritually. By our own choice. But through Christ... Because of the offer of righteousness and the new body that he brings, we have access to eternal life. You might say, how, where? Go to 1 Corinthians 15. I had never heard the gospel summed up in this paragraph before. I want to sum it up for you now. First Corinthians chapter 15. Beginning in verse 42, Paul says this, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. That's good news and bad news for the world good news is you don't end when you die death is not death death is not the end death is merely a transition death is merely a separation i have met with people in the hospital who when i come and i say i'm a christian minister i've come here to, to pray for healing or peace is there anything you want and sometimes they'll say no i'm really not a christian da, da, da. And, but they'll say come talk to me and i'll say well what's really on your mind what, what, what would be one thing that you're really thinking about and on one occasion, one person looked at me and said, I think the one thing on my mind is what if I breathe my last here and I'm still alive? So I'm really kind of concerned about that. What if, I, I, he's like, I really believe that when I die, I just I just go back into the earth and there's no existence anymore. But there's this small, weird part of me, something inside me that says, even when I breathe my last here, I will kind of start floating around the room. And I will of, you know, that it won't, there's something in me that says it's not the end. Obviously, you can't give a pastor a better lead-in than that kind of sentence. And I, you know, I went and explained a lot of what I could explain now. Verse 42, the body that is sown is perishable. The natural body, soul we have right now is perishable. It's, it's, it's diable if that's, you know, it's able to die. But it will be raised imperishable. we will be raised, the essence of us raised in another body that cannot die. It is sown in dishonor our brokenness, all the things that that cause us to be less than perfect in God's glory. But it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. Human emotions are weak. Human morality is weak. Human minds are weak. Live long enough and we find out human bodies are weak. But it will be raised in power. It is sown a natural body. We're of the natural world, the natural order. And Paul definitively says there is a spiritual body waiting for us that we are raised in. That's the gospel. He says if there is a natural body, a seed, there's also a spiritual body. Verse 45, this is the essence. If you want to memorize any verse from today, memorize 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. 1 Cor 1545, five. that's how I remember it. It says this, the first Adam was a living being but the second Adam was a life-giving spirit we're dying we know we have life but it's like borrowed life it's like winding up a toy and knowing that at some point those wines are going to wind down to nothing we all sense it we all feel it even atheists and agnostics and people who can't stand God have told me, yes, obviously there's that feeling in all of us we have. We got that from the first Adam, first people. Jesus Christ is a second Adam. I know we love to call Jesus our brother, our Lord, but in some ways you could say Paul is saying he's a father because he is the first one who rather than just giving us a natural body to live in, he will actually give us a spiritual body to be raised in, a body that can stand in God's presence, a body that will not die, a body that will not have disease, a body that will not get sick, a body that will not suffer from the emotional things we suffer. Verse 45, the first Adam was a living being. Paul says, we live in that, 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 what happened? universe was created, God created life, Adam was that living being. But because Adam fell from that perfection, God had to restrain his glory and holiness. Otherwise, we'd all fry. That's why we can't see God right now. One day we will. So he, he pulls back, restrains God's holiness, and allows this period of redemption to take place. So that while this natural body may go back to the earth, the spiritual body, go to heaven and the new earth verse 46 the spiritual did not come first but the natural he's saying the natural comes first and then after that the spiritual body the first man was of the dust of the earth the second man of the dust of heaven sorry of heaven no dust as was the earthly man those are of earth as is the heavenly man they will be of heaven Just as we are born in the image of the earthly man, the first Adam, we will be reborn in the image of the second Adam, Jesus Christ. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God because it cannot withstand the glory of God. That's what Paul's trying to make a huge case for. He says in verse 51, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. Point, you know what the twinkling of an eye is? 0.0122 nanoseconds. In the twinkling of an eye. Somebody researched that. <laughs> At the last trumpet, the dead will be raised imperishable and we will all be changed. Verse 55, he says, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is in our sinful nature. And the power of the law. He says in verse 57. But thank you God. Thank you God. Who will rescue us. From this natural body of death. That just does not have the ability to remain connected. To the source of life that God is. Thank you God. That you will raise me into a body. That can be connected to that source. And will be connected to that source. Forever. And never, and never. In Romans chapter three, Paul says, all people fall short. All people fall short to stand in the presence of a glorious God, to be connected to the glorious life of God. In Genesis, God says to Adam, if you eat this forbidden fruit from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be morally bad. Does he say that? No. He says, Adam, if you eat from it, You will be disconnected from the source of life that keeps you alive. He says to Adam, Adam, you will die. God's really not concerned about bad or good when he's talking to Adam about this tree. He's saying it's not a matter of being a good boy or being a bad boy. It's a matter of being alive or being dead. That's that's the gospel. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says the wages of sin is death. That Paul says our sinful nature brings not just moral badness to our dying breath. We will all struggle with that sinful nature where we say things we don't want to say, do things we're not proud that we've done, think things we shouldn't think, feel things. So my point this morning is this. Jesus did not come to make bad people good, but to make dead people live. It's a lot like this, and this is why I wanted this this morning. Imagine for a moment, this is life. I know these roses look a little shaggy, but God creates the world, right? Right? And then we have Adam and Eve. We have all all these people, and we fall from perfection. What God says happens is God is this bush. He is the source of life. Now, what happens if I cut this rose bush right here? It's disconnected from the bush, right? It's disconnected from the life. But any of you, especially ladies, you know what happens immediately when you cut a rose bush does it die instantly no it continues to bloom it actually continues to live for a short while albeit disconnected from the bush we are under the illusion that because we're still living because things are going on it's all a bunch of hogwash no actually god's quite clear just like the rose that continues to bloom for a little bit, there, there seems to be a, a semblance of life that can, it can just go on forever. But the rose is cut from the bush. What is the gospel? The gospel's right there it's the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, that which separated us, where God can remain who he is, remain gloriously holy, and where we can be changed to come up to his presence, was accomplished. And Jesus effectively took this rose and engrafted it into a new bush, into a new branch where we can be connected back to God and live forever. Without that connection, we're only left with death. So point number one. There is a God who is the source of life. When we're we're talking to people, what are we winning people to? Point number one is a very basic belief in God. Point number one. Point number two is that we are born disconnected to that source. That's what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 15. We are born disconnected to that source. Like the rose that continues to bloom. Yes, there's life, there's reproduction, there's things happening. It's continuing to bloom, but ultimately it's been severed. It will not live forever. Like magnets that repel each other, who God is and who we are, there's there's a repelling aspect that's happened. Point number three, and this will be the most controversial for some of you. There are some things God cannot do. I know as good evangelicals, we're taught God is omniscient, omnipresent, omni. actually, there are some things God cannot do. It's even said as in the Bible. If you go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, the writer says, it is impossible for God to lie. God doesn't tell lies. It's impossible for God to sin. It's also impossible for God to contradict his nature. There's a lot of people tell me, why can't God just get over himself? We're sorry We do some things. We steal a pack of gum every now and then. We tell somebody off every now and then. Can you just get over yourself, forgive everybody, and come on down and introduce yourself? He can't. Because he can't change the essence of who he is. He cannot cease to be God. I would even add, I'm glad he won't. I would rather find a way for us to come up than to demand he come down amen fourth thing jesus came to reconnect humanity to god paul says he is the new adam the father of a new community a new people a second adam that is a life-giving spirit adam gives us this jesus gives us a new life where it can live forever because what adam gives us dies Number five, we receive the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of that reconnection. Number six, reconnected, we will forever, we will live forever in God's power and presence. And then number seven, we respond by our own choice. And this is where it gets, we respond by our own choice, we cannot be forced. And here's... The truth about the gospel because i had somebody the other day who was not a christian who really only goes to church bec- for because it makes his family happy he said so what you're telling me is if i reject the gospel then god's all of a sudden going to send me off into eternal death my answer was no actually if you reject the gospel then you just remain exactly as we are We're, we already have a problem death is already a problem it's not it's not like you're going to get something new god is offering something a way to live a way to live forever but if if it's not of any interest of you then exactly where you are in your own power now is the chances you'll take as you cross from this life into the next and he looked at me and said i'd never heard it like that before I said, well, John chapter 3 clarifies it very well, but he said, I'll have to think about that. I'll have to think about that. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that if there's anyone in our congregation who is not reconnected to that bush, I pray for them, Lord, in Jesus' name father that you would reconnect us the fact is deep down we do feel it we do know it our own power to live forever is not there we're slowly mo- losing our minds We're slowly losing our bodies. Oh, like a rose, we bloom for a little while. So why did God do it? Remember, it costs us nothing to say yes to God. It costs Jesus everything to give his life on the cross. Why did God do it? Because he wants us to be with him. He wants us to be like him. So that a minute or two before you die while you're lying on your deathbed hopefully I'll be there another pastor of the church holding your hand you won't have to be afraid you won't have to be ignorant of what's going to happen you'll set the perishable aside and be raised imperishable and I believe deep down in your conscience no matter what scientific minds may say deep in your conscience where your spirit meets you you know this to be true so why don't we all stand together and let's just let's just pray this prayer together if you mean it if you don't don't just say it as simple as this lord jesus reconnect me I repent of my sins. I ask your Holy Spirit to come into my heart. And I decide to follow you. The second Adam. Who is a life-giving spirit. Amazing love. How can it be? Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you in all I do. I honor you. Before we go, I just want to clarify, I'm not saying that Right and wrong has no place in Christianity. Oh, it does. What's different is the motivation. It's the motivation to live God out of gratefulness for what he has already done for us rather than trying to get God something to do something for us. And now may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. And may his face shine upon you this week. May he be gracious to you. And grant you peace. In Jesus' name, go live forever. Go live forever. God bless you all. Have a great Sunday. And we'll see you next time, same time, same place as we get the build up to Easter. By the way, I got a lot of special stuff for you for Easter. So make plans to be in town that weekend. We got dramas, music. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. God bless you all. Take care.
1: I know.